0: Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground. My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please, let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? Here, in the tent. I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord
1: being old also?
0: And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, for she was afraid.
1: I did not laugh.
0: No, but you did laugh. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing?
2: Our story today follows chapter 17, duh, chapter 18 follows 17, where the Lord who had promised this couple a miracle son changes their name from Abram to Abraham and from Sarai to Sarah. Sarai means princess. Sarah means my princess. So God claimed her to be his. And maybe this was uh, to remind her to Abram to never do again what he had done in Egypt. You know, here's a princess. No, now he's got to say, here's my princess. Isn't that awesome? Everybody say, ah, Sarah, here's my princess. You know, when the first man, Hebrew Ish, saw the first woman, Isha, he looked at her and said, Isha. Sarai becomes Sarah, and Abram immediately responds, in verse 17 of chapter 17, falls on his face and laughs, says, shall a man, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old, and shall Sarah, he already calls her by the new name, immediately, who is 90 years old, bear a child. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Lord, take my efforts and use them because what you're saying is not going to be possible. And of course, the Lord reassures him that his promise is both to him and to his wife. And he commanded him to be circumcised and he immediately, when the Lord left him, he immediately obeyed (laughs) that painful ordeal, which... For a 99-year-old man, a grown man is, you know, it takes about four weeks or more to recover from that, quote, minor surgery. Circumcision is a picture of what God wants to do to our hearts, where the knife of his word cuts at the root of our identity, which is what physical circumcision is. What's the first thing you look at when a baby's born, Right? You don't look oh does he have teeth? You know he doesn't have teeth. You look boy or girl? There's no confusion over that. You may not you know, you may not like who you are, but this self-loathing has gone to such an extreme. I call it counselor abuse. If you're called to counsel people, you're called to help them deal with reality and not to create a fantasy that's just going to ruin their their world and mutilate their bodies. I mean, that's just dumb. Hitler castrated people. Now we've got professionals doing it, chemically. That's, I better watch myself. I'll get, I'll get away from it. It's just dumb. And so in symbolizing this covenant that God has made to promise them, the men submit to the rite of circumcision. When A baby is eight days old. Every Jewish child, if they're practicing Judaism, is circumcised. In the New Covenant, we have water baptism. When a person becomes a believer, the first thing they're told to do is to be baptized. If someone's having to twist your arm to be baptized, or if you're having to twist your converts' arms to be baptized, I doubt that they're converted yet. Because all the converts I know, they're begging to be baptized. I want to be. I wanna do that, I wanna please the master. You know, you may wanna do it in the lake or you know, somewhere other than here, but there's gonna be a desire in your heart to please the one to whom you've given him your life. And it's certainly not as painful as circumcision, and it includes women as well as men. All right, so here in chapter 18, They've no doubt recovered. It's been, you know, a month or more from what had just happened. The Lord appeared. Notice the word Lord is in capitals. This is Yahweh or Yehovah. God appears to Abram by the tyramid trees of Mamre. Now, he keeps mentioning these trees. They're good shade trees, and I think turpentine comes from them. So they're useful trees, and this no doubt was a place where they set up their tent so you had double shade the shade of the tent and then the shade of the trees over the tent. As he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day under the shade of the trees, so he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. So he didn't see them coming from afar off. You know, who who is that distant figure there? No, there's this, bam, there they are in his front yard. He sees them and runs from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, not Yahweh, my Lord, term of respect, not sure who this is. I have now found favor in your sight. Do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel... (laughs) Sounds so humble that I will bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come into your servant. Now this is Middle Eastern hospitality at, at its best. Once you agree, you're a captive audience, because he doesn't just quickly bring them some crumbs of bread. No, they go into full feast mode. He has his wife make take twenty four quarts of flour to make bread. Now, that's a whole lot of stacks of tortillas. I mean, this is a feast. Now, Abram's got a household of over 318 people. So, you know, they're going to finish the leftovers for sure. Then take a fine young calf and slaughter it. So you got to dress the meat, then you got to cook it. So these guys are going to be here for a while. They agreed to a morsel of bread. Here comes the hospitality. They said, do as you have said. He hurries into the tent to Sarah and says, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. That doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot. Knead it and make cakes. Abram ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf. Now here's a 99-year-old man running around. (laughs) Gave it to a young man and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. So he's standing there like a butler or a servant. Now, i got to say this. We find out in the next chapter, two of these men are angels. We find out in this chapter, one of these men is God. And they're eating meat. And this is, this is pre-law. So they're having dairy with meat, so it's not even kosher. Just threw that in there. I mean, it's, it's just there, right? <laughs> I don't have scripture that says angels sing, but we do have Bible, to eat meat, so anyway. So he took butter and milk, and the calf which he prepared set it before them, he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. So these guys are having a picnic out under the trees in the breeze. His wife's in the tent, slaving over the hot stove, making cakes or bread. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Here's the moment of revelation. The time has finally come. How old was he when God first visited him with this promise? Like 25 years earlier, wasn't it? Now it's come. I'm coming back at this time next year, and you're going to have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. If you've not been journeying with us through Genesis, this is to catch you up. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Now You know what that means, right? You know it comes before conceiving a child, right? A miracle is going to take place in so many ways. Not just, a child's not just going to appear, but they're going to have an evening of intimacy and marital bliss at this ancient age. So she's laughing about the thought. Therefore, she laughed. The Lord, this is Yahweh, capital letters, verse 13. He says to Abram, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Now, Abraham didn't hear this, but the Lord knew. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything? Remember that song he used to sing? Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Now, she wasn't exactly lying. She laughed within herself. I didn't laugh loud, you know. (laughs) Then the men rose up from there, Looked towards Sodom, and Abram went with him to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? So Abraham, as the scriptures say, is a friend of God. God relates to him what's about to happen. We won't get into that today. But I do want to focus on the passage we've read thus far and talk to you on a little subject, How to Receive God's Impossible Promises. Now, there's a lot of books written on how to receive the promises of God. You read a scripture and claim the scripture and believe and line up your confession with what that scripture says and uh, faith without works is dead. So you sow seeds towards that scripture being fulfilled in your life. But I dare say all the scriptures in the Bible are not necessarily for you and I. Uh, Joseph had a promise of becoming the prime minister of Egypt. I dare you to try that one. (laughs) Mary was promised a virgin birth. Saraz promised a child in the old age. So there's unique promises for unique characters in the Bible, but then there are promises for us all, like for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but might have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. We live in a world that's already condemned. If you don't think it, turn on the news. It's a mess out there. But Jesus came to bring salvation to whoever will believe in him. Follow him, heed his call, repent of their sins, give them their life. Do what he says. That's eternal life, which is impossible without divine help. So God's promises are impossible to receive on our own. Hebrews 6 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Inherit what God has promised. There's always faith involved. If you read the Bible stories, the heroes of faith, they were not perfect people, but they had faith in God, and they were patient. It takes endurance. Oh, but I hate living by faith. Yeah, that's because we're Americans. We want everything now, now, me, 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 me. Let's all sing the American hymn to the tune of Amazing Grace. Me, 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 me. All right. Without faith, it is impossible to please. God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Living a life that receives God's impossible promises is a life that's not focused on his promises. It's a life that's focused on him. It's the sir It's the giver and not the gift, right? It's the savior and not salvation. As wonderful as it is, our life is focused on Him. Right? Thank God for the plan of salvation. But were it not for the planner, there would be no plan, right? So we're talking about a life that is centered on Almighty God. So if we're going to receive God's impossible promises, we should be looking for opportunities to commune with Him. We saw in our text the Lord appeared to him by the turban trees of Mamre. He was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked open for opportunities, a chance to show hospitality, a chance to entertain strangers. We should be open to account of the Lord in any way he chooses. So he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground, not knowing what was about to happen. The man was, he was eager. He responded the same day with circumcision. He responded the same hour with calling his wife by her new name and walking in his new name. It's a response that is open to what God wants. This is a God-centered life. And sometimes God comes in ways we don't expect. It's important to spend time with God daily. It's important to do it as a discipline as a habit, but there are those special times where God just reveals himself to you in a fresh way and brings you to a fresh level of surrender and repentance. I had that happen in this room Wednesday night. Youth were here, they're worshiping with videos. Amber and Emily are up here singing their hearts out and I just walk in and whoa, I had to get on my face before the Lord. Fresh level of surrender, unexpected. I've been getting kind of dry spiritually. So we need to be ready. Hebrews 13 says, "Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it." Don't live a life that's suspicious of strangers. It could be a messenger in their midst from Almighty God. Well, I don't want God to talk to me like that. Well, I'm sorry. God is God and we are not. Amen. May not be an American. May not have your accent. God has a word for you, so be open to receive. Obviously, everything is filtered through the word of God, the Bible. Be greatly humbled by the honor of entertaining him. This old man humbled himself. He ran from the tent door to meet them, bowed himself to the ground, and said, my Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant." Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. Be generous toward God with your present blessings. Abram was blessed, was he not? He's incredibly blessed. And so he had no reason to be stingy. Well, we've got a baby on the way so we're gonna have to be careful. No, God had met his needs thus far. And so he went all out for three men 24 quarts of flour? I'm hello? A whole cow? Calf? He went all out. Generous. The God who provided for him thus far provided for him to be a blessing to others. At this point, he didn't know this was God. This is just a man being a good neighbor. So it's not about me just looking for my promise to be fulfilled. No, this is about me being the love of God in action to others. Could it be that a closed fist is something God's not going to waste his resources to pour his blessings into? It's in the openness of giving that he provides more resources to so, Abram was blessed to be a blessing. And lo and behold, this was the moment in time to not forget. It's hard to receive a blessing from God that's verbal and then wait 13 to 25 years for it. No, it's here, it's time. And we're going to see the miracle that takes place where Abram pulls the same mistake with Sarah with Abimelech, but we won't go there. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he prepared and set it before them like yogurt, maybe, maybe gyros with cucumber sauce. Who likes that? Zaziki sauce. And then he stands by them as they eat. <laughs> he was sitting down, but now he's attentive to their needs. Here, have some more bread. Eat, eat, eat. Be very attentive to God's faith-producing words. What is he going to say to you? Pay attention to it. Oh, that's what they always say. That's what you're supposed to say. No, God has something for you. Pay attention to it. Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. She wasn't exactly responsive. And then we confronted, she wasn't exactly honest, but she came around. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, and how does hearing come? Hearing comes when God speaks. Be aware always that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing. Sarah's laughing because it is so Impossible. The Lord says to Abram, I keep calling him Abram, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, shall I surely bear a child when I'm so old, since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. We used to sing this, Jeremiah 32, 17. Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by that great power and stretched out harm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth. By thine outstretched arm. And nothing is too difficult for thee. Do you remember it? Oh, nothing is too difficult for thee. And then further on in the chapter. Great and mighty God. <sharp inhale> great and counsel and mighty is he. And the lady goes, mighty is he. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for thee. If it's of God, it's not too hard for him. Provided you, you haven't just dreamed up some wild, you know, pizza dream. If God's promised it to you, you can take it to the bank. And many times his promises are callings for us to walk in that would scare the toenails off the devil. We're called To do the impossible. Seek counsel. Be sure it's him. Trust him in his timing. Don't get ahead of him. Don't make an Ishmael. He will do it. These things, Jesus said in Luke 18, which are impossible with men are possible with God. Similar thing was said to Mary by the angel when he visited her. Be fearlessly honest about all doubt and unbelief. Sarah wasn't. She denied it. I laugh. I laughed not for I was afraid. And he said, "Nay, but thou didst laugh." <clears throat> Jesus told a person whose son was demonized, he said, "If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes." And the father of the demonized child said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He's being honest. There may be some unbelief in me. I'm wanting to believe, help me with my area of unbelief. Which Sarah got help with that. Look at what happened to her. We need to learn to be completely reliant on the faithfulness of God. This is what happened to her. We see it in Hebrews eleven eleven. By faith, even Sarah... Who was past childbearing age was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She got her eyes off of her own weakness and her husband's unattractiveness. <laughs> and by faith, look toward God. He is faithful. He is faithful. The one who confronted me for laughing is faithful. I know he couldn't hear me, but yet he knew. He is faithful. My husband's gone to all these extreme responses to his word and even now calling me his princess. God is faithful. Look at your past. Has he brought you thus far? Have you come through some tough stuff? Has he turned your pain into a painting? Not yet. He will. Your test to a testimony, your mess to a message, the awfulness of sin to the awesomeness of, of him, he's still working. Now, we're calling this series The Roots of the Gospel, Jesus in Genesis. Where in the world is the gospel in this story? Well, remember the story of Jesus. Here's a woman too old to have children who's been barren her whole life who's going to have a miracle son that's going to bring blessing to the world. In the story of Jesus before his birth, there's a barren woman who's too old to have children, whose husband argued with the angel that brought him the good news and he was struck dumb as a sign that the miracle was going to happen. So I guess by him being quiet, he no longer could talk himself out of being intimate. Men, I guess sometimes we just talk too much. And then he began to speak when they named the child. His name is John. And he was a forerunner of Jesus. He was the greatest. Jesus said he was the greatest man that ever lived up to that point. And then he that is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. So there's a greatness in you that we're called to walk in, to do great things for God that he's called us to do. Walking in the path that he's laid out for us. But then there's that other miraculous birth. Not a woman that's too old, but a woman that's young that has not yet known a man that also has an angelic visitation. And she says, how can this be? For I do not know a man. I'm betrothed, I'm engaged, I'm contracted to be in a covenant with a man, but it's not yet been consummated. How is this going to happen? The angel said, with God, all things are possible. And this is her response. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Here I am. Be it unto me, according to thy word. And the text reads that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And she conceived that word that she had received came to life. The word was made flesh in her womb. So we've heard the story of Sarah. Briefly mentioned Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And now Mary, Christ coming into the world. You see a pattern? People call to do impossible things that are possible with God. And it's the heart of Mary that is what we should have. No more resistance, no more laughing, no more mocking, no more unbelief, but crying out to God, be it unto me according to thy word. You do not want to stand before God one day and have him ask you, what did you do with the calling I gave you? What did you do with the talent I invested? Remember that parable? I invested in you. Well, I buried it because I knew you were a tough judge. No. There's going to be a risk. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be impossibilities. But out of that comes testimonies. Amazing testimonies. You've tried life your way thus far. If a movie was made out of your life, would it be a yawner? When I was nine years old, I decided to keep a diary. And after about two weeks, it was so boring. Woke up, brushed my teeth, got dressed, ate breakfast. Sold a shirt for G.I. Joe. Yeah, that's, that was the exciting thing in my life in those days. Meanwhile, we were living in the jungle. There was some exciting things, but I never thought of writing those down. So anyway. In this bubble wrap generation that we live in, a fear-mongering like you wouldn't believe, viruses all around, software and hardware, otherware. God's calling you to get out of the boat and do what he wants you to do. What is it? What is it? What is it? Is it to open your home to strangers? Is it to homeschool your kids? Or is it to put your kids in private school? Or is it to send your kids to public school? What is God calling you to do that is scary? Is it to Is it to live the rest of your life fully devoted to Him as a single person, like Jesus and Paul were and others? Or is it to get married and take that ultimate risk? Whatever it is, make sure it's God leading you to do that and seek counsel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you called us to do things that are impossible. But with you, Lord, all things are possible. So, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would make your way clear to us. Lord, I pray for that person here that has not given you their life. I pray, Lord, they'd bring them, you would bring them to a place to surrender where they would call on your name. Lord, save me. Make me what you want me to be. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. Lord, may the gospel go forth through our lives. In Jesus' name. me clarify something and then share something clarification here what I said about a calling to live be single for the rest of your life I did not say that to the married people in the house (laughs) your calling according to scriptures to be faithful and true to that person for the rest of your life Amen. it was in 1978 My wife and I moved to Houston, Texas, and we had a baby. We joined a church called the World of Faith, 9522 Veterans Memorial Boulevard. It was Stubner Airline when we first moved there. After attending for a couple years, the pastor gave me a job offer. The problem was the pay was half what I was making. Had a great job at a sign company. I loved it. Every day was different. Every day was learning, indoors and outdoors. It was a great, great job. And uh, so we prayed about the job offer. And on a Wednesday night, uh, they had a guest speaker who preached on faith and trusting God and following him. And Yvette and I both felt the Lord was convincing us that we were to take the offer and do it. And we did it. Well, that's nice, y'all were just kids. No, we had a child and I was in college. And anytime a vet tried to work, it always wound up going for childcare. So I was the breadwinner of the home. And anyway, if it wasn't for those four years I've worked at that church, I wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't want me for your pastor. The Lord burned a lot of stuff out of me. Not that I've arrived, but he showed his provision in so many ways. Gradually over time, you know, eventually when we left, we were making what I was making at the previous job. What is God calling you to do? If it is to do something that's not going to pay what you're used to, do the paperwork and pray and seek the Lord and be willing, at least be willing. Stop telling God no and just not even considering His options. Amen? The Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you his peace. Amen. Here's Cindy Neal and Elder's wife. Come right on. Get up, down,
3: okay. <laughs> I had a dream last week. And it was just a short dream. But. I was in a boat with, I don't know faces, but I know they were friends, you know, fellow Christians. Anyway, we're in this boat, and we're floating around, and we're safe, and we're having a good time. And there's a child in the boat, and it either fell out or jumped out, and the boat's still going down the river. And I look around, and no one's going after the baby or the child. So I jumped out, and, and it was fighting to swim up to the shore, and I helped it up to the shore. And I turned around, and the boat's still going down the river. <laughs> and of course, I'm, this is me. I'm always thinking the negative first. <laughs> and I, I thought, OK, God, you show me what this means, because it could mean many things in my life. Today, when he was talking about that, he told me, "If you hadn't have got out of the boat, the child would have would have drowned. So get out of the boat." Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. That could be a little child adoption, foster parenting. You talk about scary. Or it could be a calling on your life to help foster parents. Help them have a night off. Go get them, Tigers. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping us today.